Welcome to the Lighthouse Experiment, a Freedom Center Church podcast. Welcome back to the Lighthouse Experiment Podcast. Thank you all for being back for another week. We are so excited to have a new guest on with us this week from MMR. We have the VP of Operations, VP Assistant, VP of MMR. We have Eric Snydersick on with us this week. I did it. Thank you. (laughs) And as well, myself, co-host Ashley Chandler and Chaplain Jim Parkin. Well, welcome, man. I appreciate it. Like, I sincerely appreciate, for one... Like I've only been, I've been at MMR for, I would say at this point, like a hundred and fifteen days, right, or something like that. But, that but it? it's been it's been remarkable, like the support and all this side hustle that I have going on. Yeah, it's just been, you know, because I I was doing this for the last, I don't know, three or four years at my last company, and it, there was. You know, we were kind of seeing the end of days there anyway, but it was nothing like no, not even what is this thing you do? And I was doing the same, bringing in snacks and all the same things, but it's just been, it's been super cool and kind of reignited what we're doing here. Just, just from the support from you guys. Yeah, well, that's absolutely. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. good. Nice so, to hear that. Yeah, it's been, it's been my time there has been remarkable. My wife was just chirping me a little bit because it hasn't been long. And after today, I'll, I'll be having my third appearance in the newsletter. <laughs> we had a, a lady come in because we did the burritos at 4th of July. We did like the snacks and all this other stuff. And Lori had asked me a bunch of questions about Lighthouse Experiment and all that stuff. But then we had a patient come in who she had had like probably the most catastrophic seizure that I've ever seen. We picked her up. She had had a, went to see, had a headache in the morning. Her doc sent her to regional imaging. They found a bleed, entered 886, and we pick her up. And as soon as we got her in the back of the rig, she had the most massive catastrophic seizure. Had that up and right gaze, was posturing. And then three days later, she left Hurley's ICU with... Literally zero. We met her this morning. Zero deficits. Wow. But she was like, "We want. I want to meet the crew." So we had a little meet and greet, and they took pictures, sent them up to Lori, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure it'll show up somewhere. Yeah, That's- those ones. You know, I always tell people it's like, um, it's, I, I've been a paramedic for it'll be 30 years in December. And I was EMT two years before that. So um, I've always said, you know, anytime I wanted to quit or I was fed up, I had enough, I've seen enough, I get one of those patients like you talked about where something good happens that you were involved in and then kind of reignites your flame. And I always said that. You know, sometimes, I don't know if it's divine intervention or what, but it's like somebody knew I was about to quit. Right, man. <laughs> and, and, and you get that simple hug, or you get that thank you, or whatever, or you, you, or you 
you feel like you're a positive influence on something. Yeah. And it kind of reignites the flame. But I always, it, the timing always seems to be impeccable. It's like when I need <laughs> yeah. it, most, it, that's when it happens. And I, I can't explain it, but it just seems to be, ha- it happens over and over again. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit, I, I, it's, it seems like monthly or whatever that, man, I just don't want to do this anymore, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm tired of getting yelled at. I'm tired of people being mean or whatever. And then, then you get that family member that just appreciates you being there. Not yeah. that you have to do, you don't even have to do any, something spectacular sometimes. It's just a matter of caring. Right. And, and people appreciate that you recognize that they were in their most vulnerable moment. And you took the time to listen to it. And, right. And that, that power, I've always felt, is probably one of the best things about this job, is that you're, you're walking in to a home where somebody knew, didn't know what to do. Yeah. And you're the one that is supposed to know what to do. And, you know, depending on how you hold yourself and, how you act and, and your empathy level, you can make a huge change in somebody's life without without an IV, yeah. with cardiac monitor, <laughs> without a bunch of drugs, without all the stuff you see on TV. You can make a huge impact with just who you are. That's absolutely true. And um, and honestly, you know, most of the most of the times I get a thank you, I didn't do a whole lot. Right. <laughs> you know, I didn't. I didn't do this cool stuff you see on TV. I didn't put a tube down somebody's throat upside down in a car. (laughs) (laughs) It was simple stuff, you know? Right. You know, a few years back, Ron Green, he's one of the instructors. He's a paramedic instructor in the Genesis program. Yeah, I think I know. He he calls me up. He says, hey, you know, your your podcast is up and rolling and you're doing all your stuff. Would you mind coming in and talking to my class? I have a new class going and they're right at that point. We're about to finish and they're getting excited to get out there on the road. And I was like, sure. And I went in there and kind of to piggyback off what you were just saying, I said, you know, I told him who I was. I said, listen, you're going to use your paramedic, your ALS paramedic skills about 18% of the time. Mm-hmm. So the majority of this job is handholding and conversations. It is. And you should have seen, it was funny because the, like the wind went out of their sails. But today I ran into one of those kids that was in that class and he said, you are, you were 1000% accurate. Wow. And it has been like, that is what it's been. And, you know. Yeah. I kind of, I have this mantra. I've always, I, I, I stick to it because I believe it. And I think being a good EMS provider is... 10% 10% knowledge, 10% skills, and 80% leadership. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I think it's true. And when I say leadership, I mean empathy, I mean compassion, I mean, yeah. you mean, I, it's all those, um, I don't want to say intangibles, but it really is. You know, because generally you're going into chaos and you're trying to make calm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, frankly, I started an IV on a patient. Doesn't really do a whole lot, you know. It's just there as a safeguard, or I do something, you know, simple um, that 
you know, really is mundane to me. Um, but I'll tell you, I think if I do that same thing and I have the wrong attitude, or I'm like, oh, here's another patient, you know, here's, oh, I got some other diabetic that didn't care, take care of themselves. And <laughs> going with that attitude, that's when you get in trouble, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <clears throat> and it's, it, to me, it's, it's about, it's about being compassionate. It's about being genuine. And if you can be genuine and you can portray that to your patient, it's, it makes your life so much easier. Right. Well, I'm sure from even just a physiological, like getting them to be able to calm down enough so that they can actually communicate better information. Right. You know, not, not escalating them where they're they're more crazy, like depending on what all the factors right. are and stuff. Like, um, I think that was hands down one of the top things that I did not expect to experience when I came on my first ride along with Jim was just his like calm demeanor. Yeah. Because again, I fly desks, so my you know idea of running to a scene with lights going is like we're we're all stressed and we're running and we're running inside this house and everything's you know. And it's, you know, like Jim gets out of the rig and he's like walking in. I mean, based on the information that he's got, but he's not like up here, he's down here. And then just the way that he's talking to people. Like, I, I remember the one guy that burned, remember we, he burned his hand? It was a homeless guy. Mm-hmm. And just the way, like, you talked to him like he was an old friend. Like, yeah. like a family member's like kid. Like, you talked to him, like, and it was just, it blew me away. The whole cadence of how that's how a dude that was super, he was super super worried that he'd man this guy he thought that if we lost his he had his driver's license that he had obviously like, used to break into houses or something but it was all <laughs> bent up and tore up and he's like if you lose that then I no longer exist I don't have an identity and I was like man that's not true you know yeah. we got up to Hurley and whatever and I don't know from there but I remember that dude <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it, I, I think communication with people and leadership on a scene just goes so far. You know, there, there's a lot of there's studies out there that say, well, in EMS, five percent of your calls are truly life threatening. Where you know, seconds count and all that. And like I said, you know, it's not TV. A lot of people right. come in there. They think it's me <laughs> like the television program. You know, everybody's got some amputation going on. or Some drama know. that only yeah. lasts 23 minutes plus commercials. Uh, it's all wrapped up by the end. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that, it's not that, you know. It, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of taking care of people that have no other outlet. For getting care, right? And, and, yeah, and your EMS is is kind of the mop up of everything that's wrong in healthcare. Well, yeah, yeah. I say and, that often. I say that what I call us as EMS providers is grief mops. That is yeah, like I, that, you know, that that's is a good way to say it. It really is it, it, because a lot of times it's it's either somebody has no other outlet or they haven't been able to get through the system appropriately to get what they need right. in a chronic situation. And those chronic situations become exacerbated to the point that now, now they're in danger, you know? Right. 
Yeah. Um, you know, down here, like it's in Flint, what we see a lot of the time is, you know, people use Hurley and McLaren as their primary care. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I'll have young providers and they get so mad. I'm like, well, let's, let's think of it. Let's, let's spell it out here. They know they could go to one of the Hamilton clinics. They're going to wait just as long to maybe see a PA, but probably not. They're just going to see a medical assistant. Or they can go to Hurley, set for the same amount of time, and they're going to see a physician at some point. It's, it's undereducated as to how the system works, but these aren't stupid people, and they know the difference. Yeah. So they're, you know, they, they're, gonna, they're going to sit there for, in the bad seasons, you know, 48 hours sometimes. They'll be there all night long waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah. Which is sad, though, because that's still the path of least resistance for a lot of them. Right. Well, that, you know, there's other circumstances, too. Like, with our first, um, Nick and I were 21 and 23, and we went home after kind of a turbulent labor and delivery. I didn't feel the greatest. Um, and four weeks later, had to go in for a DNC after I passed out at home after I was bleeding way more than I should have and my poor husband was so freaked out and at that point he was trying to take me to the hospital I had passed out in the back seat and I woke up two paramedics going hey so what's going on and that's exactly how that paramedic responded to me he he just was like hey how you doing what's going on you know like and by the time they had me in the rake and on the way to the Jackson Hospital, I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'm in good hands now. We're just having, like, a hangout now. We're on our way out to the hospital. We're good. But Nick, I know, for a long time was very, very scared. Like, he thought he was losing me. He didn't know what was going on, what to do. He's on the side of the highway. He had lost his phone. He didn't know what was going on. Like, he was in such chaos. And... I literally was unresponsive the entire time until the paramedics got there. Yeah. And so just moments like that where, like what you were explaining before, people just have no idea what to do and they need help. They just, Mm -hmm. they need help. Um, And I can remember as much as all the crazy was going on, the, the whole demeanor of that first responder was like, hey, so what's going on? Like, he literally, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know. I had a baby four weeks ago. I don't know. <laughs> so just, it's wild. And then um, our family lost my brother about six years ago in a car accident. And oh. the rig that responded was literally just right up the road and turned around and responded. And so that was a situation where, like, None of, none of us could have or would have been there for him in that moment. And because somebody else decided that that was going to be their job, that was going to be their career, that they were showing up that day to help my brother, help my family member, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, you know, that, that's one of those things I find rewarding about the job is that you are there. You, sometimes you are the only one there. To help people in, you know, I, I hate to say the last moments, but when they are most vulnerable or with it, where they they have no other idea of what to do, yeah. And you're entrusted 
to care for them when they are most vulnerable or when they feel like they are going to die, that that's powerful. And it's a big responsibility. And, and I think sometimes, you know, a lot of us in EMS kind of forget that, you know, and, and I, I had, uh, my dad had gotten sick about four or five years ago, really bad. We, we didn't think he was going to make it. And so I'm on the other end of the patient care spectrum where, you know, I'm relying on other people to do the right thing Mm. and, you know, having some knowledge and all that, but I'm the helpless one. And, and I realized during his illness, how important it is for the people that are taking care of my family member to be concerned, compassionate, to be genuine to keep me informed, you know, um, you know, he's in an ICU situation where, you know, admittedly, I, I haven't worked in a lot of critical care in a while. And so I realized how important it is for us to maintain that empathy, to maintain that communication, to let people know what's going on because as much as the patient is our patient, you know, the family's our patient. Mm-hmm. You know, the loved ones are our patient. <clears throat> and we have to take those people into consideration because that has a has a lot to do with the impact that we make with people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, like, it's <clears throat> pretty amazing that, that you bring that up. Because so when my son was three months he you know and i'd been in genesee county at swartz for a long long time so had a reputation in the county and so he gets sick he's got pneumonia and it was one of those things where you know too like enough to be dangerous you know what i mean so he was he was getting worse but i'm like he'll be fine we'll just take him like just i gotta work in the morning just take him to the pediatrician well, by the time all this transpires, pneumonia is in the, like, his left lung is just huge for a three-month-old. And he's, like, head bobbing and all this stuff. So my wife calls me. I'm at the pediatrician. They're calling for EMS. And they didn't know, you know, the doc, she would have just called uh, Swartz, but the medical assistant just dialed 911. So another company, STAT, was responding. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go over there. So I go there. I Like, I went back to our headquarters, went POV. Their crew shows up. One of the deputies shows up. And there I am standing there still in uniform. And they're like, the, the medic from STAT was like, do you want me just to cancel? Do you want this patient? I was like, no, this is my kid, and I want you to do what I know that you know how to do. Yeah. But I yeah. will tell you, man, they load him up. My wife gets in the front of the ambulance, and when they shut the back doors... Like you said, I have never in my life, and that's like nine years in, I've never felt so helpless. And from that day on, from like that day on, I didn't, like there was no like solemn vow or anything, but every time I've ever dealt with a patient, I've explained what I'm doing to their family the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, I think think that is probably one of the most important things, and it's probably one of the things that we're not very good at right. as a whole as a as just as an injury industry i don't you know i don't think it's a 
it's not an MMR thing. It's not a sports thing. It's not a stat thing. I think no. as a whole, you know, we kind of forget that, you know, because I, I don't want to say we get numb, um, but you do it day in and day out, and you kind of think, well, they, you kind of forget that the people around you don't know what you're doing or why. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and it's kind of automatic for us, but we kind of forget it's not automatic for everybody else. Right. So. Absolutely. Yeah, it, I kind of I had a little bit of a change when my dad was, you know, pretty sick, and and I and I saw that, and I, you know, and it, you know, what's funny is I. I think about it, and and I, you know, I talk to like our EMT classes, our paramedic classes when they graduate. You know, that's one of the things I do is try to, you know, impart some wisdom, what little I have, onto them. And I and I tell them that you don't understand the impact that you have on somebody during that period of time. And I I've related to some of the some of the classes I, I've had experiences where I am standing in a grocery store line and there's people come up and they say, you're the one that took care of me or you're the one that was there. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. And, and I don't remember them, you know, right. they're, right. they're a, thousand, know, they're a thousand calls away, but you know, and I, I don't look, I guess I don't look normal. I'm a little tall, a little, little chunky, but, um, you know, maybe maybe I people recognize me, but to to have somebody you know who I took care of maybe a year or two ago to come up and say, "Hey, thanks for going. You're the one that took care of me," or whatever, it makes you realize the impact that you can have on people. Yeah. yeah. You no, know, it's funny. Is I always worry if I like the first thing I think about when I'll have that. It's like, was I nice? Yeah, what I do to you? What I do wrong? Nice. <laughs> like you're alive, so we know that's good. Yeah. But <laughs> was I was I polite? Was I friendly? Yeah, well, I'm always afraid. I, I've had that before, where like uh, a wife has come up. You took care of my husband, and I'm like thinking to myself, do I ask how they're doing, or is that? <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Oh, yes. I don't want to say, oh, he's dead. No, I don't want to do that. You know? Yeah, probably not. Um, those are the things, though, I, I feel like that that's where we're responsible as veterans in the kind of in the industry to impart that stuff. You know, we will run calls and we'll have conversations on what would you have done here and what we have done on this cardiac rhythm or, or whatever the case. But the, that intangible stuff, like you said, that like when I talk to our young EMTs coming up now and just explain to them like just by our skill set and our demeanor and who we are for stepping into this industry, we actually improve someone's situation just by showing up. Yeah. But then like, what do you do? You know, what do we do with that past just showing up? And it's more than just skill set. You know what I mean? It is. Yeah. I'm a firm believer on that. It's like I said, it's, it's, it's about leadership. It's about, creating calm and chaos it's about it, it's about empathy most of all you know understanding what what made this you know I, I tell people for the most part I don't know about you guys but for me to pick up the phone and call 911 
it's going to be desperate, you know, for me. I don't have any other outlet. Right. And, and so I think the majority of our patients, you know, obviously there's some that just pick up the phone because they, they just want to go to the hospital or whatever, and that's, that's a ride. But, you know, for the most part, people are vulnerable, and they don't know what else to do, and they're looking for somebody to guide them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we have a great responsibility in making sure that we are sound in our advice. We take everybody seriously. Obviously, not every patient's going to die or or have a huge problem. They probably would have been fine if they drove in, but they didn't think so at one time. Right. Yeah. And we have to understand that. Right. So, you know, and I get, I, I get it, you know, especially after COVID, it seems like, boy, we're taking care of a lot of chronic problems that you, you kind of stand back, you say to yourself, boy, I wish, I wish they'd see their doctor or whatever. Right. But, you know, a lot of people I know, you know, in the area I work, a lot of people, they do call their doctor and your doctor's like, don't come here. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, cars. that's part of the thing too, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you know we're we're having to mop up a lot of the problems within the healthcare system, and mm-hmm. and it's tiring on people, and it, it's weighing on people, and it, we're busier well, than ever, shorter than ever, right? All that. Yeah, COVID, man, that really took a toll, and I think that's one of the things when we kind of get into the mental health piece. Like I've talked about on the show before, like this is a thing that I don't think we really seen the effects fully no it was like the longest like for me as a military guy covid was like the longest deployment of my entire adult life it seemed like every day was monday all the extra things all the temperature taking you know getting frustrated with how does seven of us walk in and everybody is 97.1 there's no way like you know what i mean (laughs) like but like all the extra things and then you know my partner now we were partners at Swartz early like early March to June of 2020 COVID his mom got COVID and passed away and like so all the things are going on you know and I think like I said I don't think we've seen all of on the mental health side what that is I think we're just starting to scratch the surface of what that's going to I think we are, you know, and I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but I, I think, I think a lot of that stuff existed, but COVID's kind of been the, the thing that brought it to yeah. the surface more, like the catalyst. Yeah, it it's it's kind of it's exposed the raw nerve that already was there, mm-hmm. and and I think it's pushed a lot of people over the edge and. and and like we've seen, you know, not only in EMS, but just everywhere, the great resignation and, and people just switching over on, on jobs and, and what they do for careers. Um, you know, the hospitals are short, we're short, everybody's short, but yet we're expected to do as much, if not more, than we've ever done. Right. And that weighs on people heavily. And so I... I think that that's why we're seeing a lot of things surface now that maybe were tolerable before, but now they're not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. 
and it's and kind of the nuance to that, which isn't helpful at all. But like as an older dude, you know, I've been at this a long time, and what, I'm a veteran and stuff like that. So I have in my the back of my mind is that these people calling, they don't care about our mental health issues or our staffing, or what we went through with COVID. They're having a situation right now, and they need us right now, and yeah. at our best. Yep. You know. Yeah, the expectation the expectation hasn't changed. In fact, I think sometimes the expectations become greater on us. But we're doing that with a lot less people. Right. And we're doing yeah. that with a lot less um, time to ourselves. We don't rest like we should. Um, we're working people harder and harder and harder. I know it. You know, I, I primarily work in Saginaw. I've worked other areas as well, but <clears throat> I worked in Flint, actually, back in, like, 94. Um, but I remember when I came to Saginaw in 1998, you know, if we had a 12-hour shift and we did four or five calls, we were busy, you know. And now it's 10 to, 10 to 11, you know, sometimes. it, it It's a lot for people to to do and if you think about it you know when i started in paramedic class and and that it wasn't nearly as technical as it is now um, yeah, there's so yeah. much more to know mm-hmm. we had to do so much more with like compliance and we had to get to follow all these rules we have to be our computerized or our electronic pcrs that are a challenge um there, there's just so many things being piled on people and it like there's a lot of pinch points for everybody, and, and it, that weighs on them. It's difficult. What do you and, think and, is... You know, to top what, it off, to top it off, you know, EMS doesn't pay that great. <laughs> yeah. Know? What do you well, think is going to be some I will of the, say this, man. I got to... Gotta, sorry, Ashley. I just got to... Like, I've never been paid more. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> like, so you guys say that, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to tell you. Like, this is, like, I never imagined, I, I never imagined I'd be where I'm at now. So, for me, personally, I'm only speaking for Jim here, but, like, I'm just, I'm loving life right now and doing the thing. But Well, yeah. I You know, we still have a lot of work to do on that. You know, the unfortunate thing is that, you know, I, I, I get this from employees all the time, you know, it's like, hey, you know, Traverse City is a good example. I was up at Traverse City, and I was working at Cherry Fest, and I, and I drive by the Culver's, and the Culver's is advertising $22 an hour. And, you know, we start medics at 20 <laughs> And, you know, it's hard to compete with all these other things. Now, obviously, you know, if you go to work for Culver's, it's not going to be full-time. You're not going to get benefits, all that stuff. Yeah, I get it. But when I see things like that, it just frustrates me because it's like, here I've got all these paramedics and EMTs with much higher responsibility, a lot more trained, and here we are, we have to pay them what we pay them. And, yeah. and it's, it's a product of, that, that's all we can get. You know, that, you know that, that's why now that I go and order that value meal, it costs $12 when it cost $8 two years ago. Yeah. Right. They, yeah. they can just raise their price. We can't. You right. Know? We get what we get. You know? Mm-hmm. 
And so we've had to be real inventive about, you know, trimming the things that we can trim without affecting the patient care so that we can try to pay everybody as much as possible. Um, but it's real competitive out there, you know. And especially when you, you look at such a shortage out there in the workforce, in, in EMS specifically, you know, you can't really, um, you can't stand still on the wages. You have to, right. you have to keep reevaluating. Right. But eventually it's a matter of, you know, the well's not bottomless, you know. Right. We can't raise the price of the ambulance trip because it's not going to do anything. That doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, like even the, it's like I always think of it. And I don't. Re- I don't know anything about billing other than it's just you cast as big a net as you can. I, yeah. The only thing I know about billing is that reimbursement is not good. <laughs> no matter. Yeah. It's like it's hard for the to get to squeeze like really the money that the trip was worth out of the insurance oh, provider. Yeah, in in EMS, Jim is. You know, I don't want to get too far into the business stuff because I, I think we want to talk more about mental health. But, yeah. you know, EMS is, you know, probably 50% reimbursement of what you bill overall. And, you know, for us, we're a nonprofit organization. Um, we're more worried about sustainability. We don't worry about profit. But, you know, when you get, when you, at the end of the day, for us to have 2% left over at the end of the year is a good year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we have little things happen or if we have a major accident or we have to pay out, uh, you know, for some sort of increase or something like that, that 2% gets really sketchy. You know? <laughs> well, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> I always say EMS is like, EMS is always 90 days away from bankruptcy. Yeah. But well, you know the- what's cool for me and I and everybody that I talk to, like across the board of my coworkers, what's cool is that we you guys keep us. So I spent almost two decades in an agency that we never knew really what was going on, you know. But when all of a sudden we're near five bucks a gallon, mm-hmm. like we get the newsletter and Mark's telling us, "Listen, like I didn't anticipate this, and this isn't what we budgeted for. So these are the steps we need to take." So now we're all we're all in the know and we can get on board with working. You know, I think for all of it, for feeling as though you're part of the team and the mission, which for me is good for my mental health. Like if I understand, okay, this is the mission. Mm -hmm. I'm very much wired that kind of that operator brain. Tell me what the op is. okay? and this is what we need to do. And we can make those adjustments and we can make sure we're doing our part to kind of ease that pressure, you know, that for me and and a lot of us in Genesee, that's, that's an important piece to keep us, you know, to keep that kind of on the level is just understanding what we need to do to be part of the plan. Yeah. Well, and what you're saying is exactly intentional on our part. And I think Lori and I and Mark and Michelle, um, we, we talk about that a lot. It's like we need to let these people know where we're at because I think if people understand some of the pressures, they'll they'll do some of the they'll make the right decisions. Right. Because 
I think we all we all share a part in making things successful. And, you know, to kind of just clam up and not share the actual financials, I just, I don't think that's right. I, I want to be as, like I said, we're not profit. If somebody really wants to go look, they can go into the IRS and see how we do, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's about putting it into the hands of the employee. And I, I tell people this all the time, you know, I want you to make a dollar more an hour, but here's what I need you to do. You know, if we have something that we can bill for, we should bill for it. And, and I need you to do your, I need you to do your patient care record. I need you to write it clinically sound so that that billing department can bill it out appropriately. You know, yeah. I don't, that makes sense. You can't, you can't make stuff up, you know, but, but, you know, if, if there's something that we should be reimbursed for, get the signature from the patient so we can bill the insurance so we don't saddle the patient with the bill. You know, right. just yeah. little things like that make a huge difference. And and I've, I've talked about this with a lot of the employees. It's like I just need a little bit of a leap of faith from you that if you're going to do everything that you're supposed to do, then I'm going to do everything I can to get everything that I can for you. That's you cool. know, right. That has to be our attitude. And, and we have to be focused on the employees because they're the ones that are do the mission every day. They're the ones that are facing the patients. They're the ones that are getting the stress. Um, we have to do everything we can to be responsible to our employees. And I, I, I say this all the time, and when people don't understand some of the things that, we, some of the decisions that we make, and I say, you know, every time I have to make a decision, whether it's a financial or, or a policy or whatever, I look at it as... I have 600 families that I'm responsible for. And they're, they have to put gas in their car. They have to feed their children. They gotta, They want to go on vacations. They, they have to meet their minimum needs. And if we're not doing the right thing for 600 people, then we need to rethink what we're doing. Right. Uh, it, and it's hard because sometimes that, sometimes those decisions affect individuals. But I have to look at it as a whole. Right. And yeah. so that's what makes that's hard. Sometimes. Oh, yeah. It really is. Um, but, you know, I'm happy to do it. It's, it's just, it's been a lot, of, a lot of work over the past year. So. Yeah. I imagine. But this is big. You know, it's huge for you to come on here, you know, because people, our coworkers, listen. You know, it's cool. it's important. It's important that they see that you guys like actually are, you know, doing your due diligence to take care of us. You well, know, like want- the, the commonplace in American, in, you know, for American employment that it's like us versus you guys. You guys are the management. We're just the road crews. You know, and I've like I try to explain for a lot of these guys who they've only ever been in MMR. You know, so like, listen, like you really don't, you have never felt the breakdown of an agency and seen had it start at one place and then gradually get to a place where it's no longer healthy to be there. And so just like understand what these guys are, what they're attempting to do. You know, like that's to me, that's huge. What you just said, you're worrying about 600 families. I'm worrying about two, mine and my partner's. 
You know what? Yeah. You know, like I'm. If you break it down like that, like I'm concerned with me and him and our families, you know, and we do everything together to include church, but like that's a big deal. That's a big deal for people to consider, like how much you what you guys have on your plate actually. Yeah, I kind of scare myself every time I say that because I'm like, man, this is, <laughs> you know, yeah. so yeah, that's a that's a but, it's a huge yeah. responsibility to have that much authority, like impact, impact over. Yeah, I wouldn't call it authority. I would say yeah, more impact, influence. I don't know. I don't know what the right word is. It's just, I, I, I just want to help. You know, at the end of the day. I want I want people to be safe. I want them to feel value in what they do, and I want to pay them as well as I can to do that. Because I think everybody, with as hard as everybody's working right now, you know, you I think the employees deserve to have time off. I think they deserve to be able to go on vacation. I think they deserve not to worry about filling their gas tank up for crying out loud. You know. I, yeah. When gas hit five dollars a gallon, I, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, if I'm an EMT at sixteen dollars an hour, how do I do that? You know, just to get to work. And then if they have childcare, whatever, just boy, it just eats it all up. And, you know, we've done a lot with wages over the past year. Um, one of the things I read, we have, I have a spreadsheet in my office, like. Uh, ENTs are up like 35% over the past 13 months, and then paramedics are up 30% on wage over the past 13 months. Okay. But you look at the economy <laughs> right now, you're like, well, most of that got wiped out. Yeah. <laughs> you just like, you get a little deflated over the whole thing. But, yeah. Yeah. You know, no, I mean, I know. There's been years where Nick's come home and he's like, ooh, I got like 24 cents. <laughs> Like, yeah, but inflation went up like eighty some, you know. Oh, so yeah. you know we're upside down compared to how much inflation went up. You know, like yeah, that's it. Yes. I mean, and we've just seen it drastically right now. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, like just our insurance benefits, our health insurance benefits. Blue Cross is telling us fifteen percent increase for next year, and we're like, how do we do that? <laughs> <laughs> how do we do it? You know, it's just. It's one thing after another. Yeah. Not a good time. That that puts a lot of stress on people. Right. Yeah. You know? But I think from the employee side, I think that's pretty right on to be, you know, employees are usually probably, hey, I want to enjoy my job. I want to feel respected and cared about by those yeah. around me at my employment. And I want to get paid as much as I can doing it. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, it sounds like you guys are right on target with striving for all the things that you can so well, we're, we're trying we you know you know one of the things we're trying really hard jim kind of touched on it earlier about that management versus the staff type mentality and what well, i'd like to get rid of that you know yeah i'm a human being <laughs> you know right i'm just you know i'm not the i'm not the assistant vice president i'm a human being i'm a dad i'm a I'm a husband, you know, I have family. Um, I'm not against you, you know? Right. And, yeah, that's it's such an interesting with, thing. You know? 
and I, and I'd like to break down some of that barrier, and I'd like to be able to. And like I said earlier, I think it it's 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 about trust, you know. And and all I can do is show you that I'm going to do what I can. And if you walk away with a little bit of trust, then I've done well. Right. And, and I'm going to trust it when you're out there in the field on your own that you're. I'm going to have to trust that you're taking care of the patient well. And you're not, you're not destroying the equipment, or you're not abusing things. And you're representing us well. Um, you know, when I came back to MMR, that was one of the things. You know, when I interviewed, they said, "Well, well, Eric, what, what, what's your goal?" And I said, "Here's my goal: when I call an ambulance for my dad, which we've done about four times now." I said, I don't want to have to pick up the phone and figure out who's on what truck. Mm. That I want, yeah. I want it to be, if it's MMR, anybody's good, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to work towards. And I want to work back towards that respect. I want to work towards that consistency and having a, a standard and a culture where we're all on the same page. And we're not going to do that if, it's management versus the staff, you know. Right. We've all got to be on the same mission. We got we got to understand that we all have an impact on on patient care, whether it's the dispatcher, whether it's the maintenance, it's it's the paramedics, DMTs, it's the billers, it's everybody, you know. Right. Everybody has a contribution to getting this done, and, and one's not greater than the other. You right. Know? Um, right and that's what's cool for me is that's that's the culture i feel coming into this organization where i I have just like you're making me super happy hearing this (laughs) well i mean sincerely like i had been when i got into ems it was with swartz and it was wonderful and it was it was the place to be in genesee county like you know like you had to know i had i knew two guys that I was on the fire department with and I I needed to, I needed both of them and it was hard to get in and there's this level, but it kind of waned. It just did. And, and, and kind of the reason was it, it, you know, it was a, this is the way it's always been done. And, and, and we stayed with that path and that path didn't work out. And then it just got to the, it, it, it was, killing my desire to be a paramedic and at the same time I was believing that I could only be a paramedic there and that I don't know what switched the light on but I was like I gotta go and it's gotta be MMR and it's just been well also because the the management team in Genesee had been recruiting me for a couple of years pretty yeah. consistently but the you know despite all the little nuances and the little struggles we have just the culture is, you know, is more of where it's like you can understand what the mission is. Like this lady, you know, this patient coming to talk to us today, that's a win for MMR. Yeah. It's not just me and my partner. That is, that is like all of us that reflects the whole place. It and does. It does. And that's, that's something that I'm glad you brought up because now think about, think about that patient and that experience that that patient had. They're not going to hesitate next time they call. Right. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I mean about having an impact on people. If we if we're making a positive impact on people when they're not that sick, um, they're not going to hesitate to call when they are. Right. You yeah. know that makes sense. Yeah. And, and um, I, you know I tell people all the time all the time, and I get frustrated because I. You know, I hear anecdotally these stories. Well, the paramedic told me I was I didn't need to go to the hospital. I'm like, oh man, why do you do that? You know? It's just you're not there to tell people not to go to the hospital. You're there to take care of them. Whatever's wrong, take care of it, and uh, you know, take them to the hospital. Mm-hmm. But it, there, there's a lot of times I hear these stories, and I and I think to myself, well, what happens if they do have a heart attack? Right. The last interaction they had was, well, you're not really sick. You don't need to go. So then they don't pick up the phone. Right. What have we done? You know, that's terrible. We can't do that. Yeah. Our listeners, you guys need to be hearing this because this is my move, my go-to move always. We had a lady today. We used this. Well, I don't know if I should really go. I kind of feel better now. And I always tell them there is, you cannot put a price tag on peace of mind. Yeah. You called yeah. us for a reason. Yeah. You know, if you get to the hospital and nothing and you feel like you want to just go home, but let's get to the hospital, let's get you in with the docs and they'll figure it out. But you can't put a price tag on peace of mind. Yeah. I'm like well, 80% of the time they're like, okay, well, let's go. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and I always go back to you thought it was bad enough to pick up 911. Right. Yeah. You may feel right. a little bit better now, but. Ten minutes ago, it was bad, you know. Right. I, I don't want to have to come back later and have it worse. Right. Yeah. You know. Yep. Yeah. And it's kind of the mindset I use. That that's the mindset I usually carry with people. Or I try to say, hey, you know, you thought it was bad enough to call nine one one, so let's figure this out. You know. So, what do you yeah. guys think is going to take? What's it going to take to get more people into the industry? I think celebrating them when they do it. Yeah. You know, I always look at things like the old Vidal Sassoon thing where you, like you told two friends and they told two friends. and But like, like we have, you know, we have a young EMT. She's just getting started and she was, she was with me on, on a, a super bad case a couple weeks ago and she had the wherewithal to take herself out she said jim i need you to step in here i'm overwhelmed yeah so instead of bash that i like celebrated that i'm like that that was an awesome job you did a great job but like each time someone brand new comes in i think as like as their co-workers as like veterans in the community just celebrate the fact that they stepped up yeah. yeah, you know, it's instead yeah. of it's just a job and everyone's burnt out and we're all, you know, old and grumpy now. You know, like it's been the, I've had the time of my life doing this and I've been doing it for a long time. I still love it, and so that's what I try to impart. Right, I try yeah. to like this is the best thing that you could have ever done ever, and you're gonna love it, and you're gonna want to be a paramedic and you're gonna do all the things and just, just celebrate them as they come in. Well, yeah. like we had Austin on earlier in the summer. Yeah. And for probably about three months, every time I saw him, he was like animated. He was like so excited so to excited. just yeah. talk about it. Um, it was That's really. That's a kid, Eric. Austin Blythe, he's a kid. He works 
He's the EMT with us in Genesee. Yeah. And really. I, when I, I brought him on a ride along when I was at Swartz and just kind of turned the light on and then here but he is. But it's been neat to see this like span of like, I'm excited to get into it. And then I'm excited. Like he about was losing his mind when he heard that you were going to be joining MMR and that he'd be <laughs> able to like be in the same company as you. Like he was so stoked. Um, and then throughout the summer, like the last episode that he was on with us, just being able to talk to somebody that understood, but all of these, like, I don't know, not basic, but all these major kind of subjects of what I feel a lot of folks in first response have to be able to process through and deal with. And here's the guy that's been doing it for a while, being able to walk next to the kid that's just getting started and right. not, him, not him make him feel like he's an idiot, not... Tell him all, yeah, 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 whatever. But also, I mean, you gave him space to, like, talk through that. Mm-hmm. You encouraged him. You just, I mean, you were right there in it with him. And I, I felt like that moment, like, those, that, like, I felt like that really encapsulated so much of the heart of Lighthouse Experiment and why we're doing what we're doing is just come alongside people and, and encouraging them and celebrating them and right. listen, just giving them space to process all this so that they can they can do this well you know yeah yeah i i i think celebrating it um and i and i'm I'm a firm believer that you know i and i don't know jim if you if you read i did something for the newsletter at mmr i don't know it was three four months ago about being a good teacher and um, imparting your experience on others and I'm a firm believer that you know I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I went through EMT school I did really well I had great grades and I was in Florida as an EMT and I was working at a volunteer service that was ALS and I decided, well, I'm going to get out of the Air Force. i got to have something to do. Uh, I'm going to be a paramedic, you know. And so I applied to paramedic school, and the minimum, you had to be an EMT for a year. And that was the minimum. And I, I got in the first time. There were 300 applicants for 30 spots. Oh, this, wow. this is how much This is how much EMS wow. has changed. It was that competitive just to get into school. And so I got in the first time, and... I frankly didn't have enough experience, you know, on the road because I was, I was still active duty and, uh, kind of doing like 24 hours a week. And I, I was, I was struggling in paramedic class. I could get all, I could pass all the tests. I could do everything else, but man, I couldn't start an IV. I actually poked myself with a needle. Uh, I went, I went to the OR and the anesthesiologist is like, you sure you want to do this? You're not very good at it, <laughs> you know? And I had the, I had the one guy and I, and I put it in this, this, this letter that I wrote for the newsletter. His name was Dean White and he was a paramedic. He'd probably been a paramedic four or five years at the time. He's still kind of fairly new. And, uh, I don't know what he saw in me or whatever, but he took me under his wing and um, kind of, he got me through school, and and he taught me a lot of things. The things that you don't learn in class, um, the things that help make you successful, and 
And I, and I tell that to people because after 30 years, I still know this guy's name and I can still recall what he did for me. And he right. did it. He did it because it's the right thing. To do. You know, he didn't do it because he got extra money to be a trainer. He didn't do it. He did it because it was the right thing to do because he felt, and he, he said this to me, he said this to me one time because I asked him, I said, why, you know, you, you, you're doing so much. Why, why are you doing this? And he says, because what you do in the future reflects upon me as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm like, that's pretty powerful. And so I, that's why, you know, that's why I'm such a huge proponent for people just showing other new people how how to do this job, how to do it right, how to take care of people right. Um, because, you know, when we're all gone someday, when I'm not in EMS anymore, all that's going to be left is my legacy. Right. You know? And I want to be remembered as the person who took care of people well, who, who was empathetic, who, who wanted the industry to go further who wanted people that were out there that were compassionate and and full of knowledge and and continued that down the road. I feel it I feel it's my responsibility because of Dean White that I have to impart that on somebody else. Right. Yeah. Me too, and man. By celebrating them, you know, that's that's part of that celebration. I'm celebrating what was given to me. And now it's right. my we pass that along. Yeah. That's the coolest. Yeah. Like, like my approach is probably much different. You know, we've talked about this on the show. Like I talk an awful lot of smack about being better than everybody, but like what happens, what happened at Swartz and what I see happening here is my, my fellow paramedics will be like, Oh yeah, old man, I bet I'm better than you are. I'm like, Oh, show me. But then they do. And they like actually like they go the extra and they do the thing. And I'll tell my partner, you see what I just did? And he's like, yeah, (laughs) but, but that's been cool. Like, honestly, I have had the opportunity to, to mentor people during their paramedic internship. And like one of them, he's a sheriff's deputy. He's in the paramedic division. One of us, one of them, she works in Genesee with me now. And like, what a rewarding thing to see how good they're doing. Yeah, to know that I had just a little piece of the story, and to see how they're flourishing now—that yeah. that is, yeah. and you know, and they, and they don't forget it. No, they don't forget it. You know, and, and when you're long and gone, you, you, when you're gone out of this this profession and 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 moved on or or whatever, they're going to bring up your name. You know, if you did it right, I mean, what right. a better feeling, right? Yeah. You know, to to have somebody bring you up as, hey, I had this guy. He showed me all this stuff. He took time with me, or whatever. I that's rewarding to me. That that's better, yeah. frankly. You know, well, <laughs> I need a paycheck, but right. But those are the things, man. Those are really the things, and I think that in some ways, that those little pieces, and and those of us who are veterans in the in the industry and stuff like that bringing people up that way and supporting them in that way mm-hmm. in in some ways that takes care of the mental health piece you know the the encouragement the feeling 
like I'm a big believer in that people don't they don't burn out per se they just forget why they started the thing in the beginning you know yeah. because that'll really that that for me that'll recalibrate me mm-hmm. when I'm like man I hate this I'm done this is my last day I'm never doing this again I just had a run in with a like a McLaren nurse or something and I'm done mm-hmm. and then then I'll do the report and I'll think back to the lady who came in and met us today or a case 10 years ago, you know, that I remember why I started to begin with. Yeah. Or like Austin will come up. Maybe he's at the hospital and he's super excited about, you know, something that I've done a million times before, but it's his first time. And then, you know, what? that that reminds me why I started this, you know, 18 years ago. And then yeah. it's then I remember you know, and it's super beneficial for me, those little times. So, you know, to for us yeah. to support people coming up, I think is. Yeah. And I think I think you hit on a good point, though. It's like what it, what is what intrinsically keeps you coming back? You know, you have to kind of remind yourself why you want to come back and, and what in my day intrinsically makes me want to do this again you know when you when you run 12 calls in 12 hours you know yeah a lot of it was hard it was you know i got out late i'm tired i'm exhausted what what did i do to change something and and sometimes you have to just kind of look at that or like you're saying about austin or you know what impact did i make on somebody that that's what keeps me going Right. Just like I brought it up earlier, it seems like, I don't know if it's divine or not, but it seems like every time I'm ready to quit, something good happens. (laughs) I get (laughs) a hug. I, Uh, I, I, you know, when a family, I don't know about you, but like, if a family member says thank you, man, that just makes my day. (laughs) You know, that's all I need, you know? You know, I could have trudged through a bunch of mud or lifted them out of the house and killed my back or whatever. And the family says, thank you so much for being here. Right. That just, man, that, that, that makes me that is, Yeah, that's the thing, right? When people say, thank you, you guys were great. You guys were excellent. Yeah. Well, Today, I a, yeah, I got like a little story. I had this happen, I don't know, maybe, it's been about three, four months ago. And I had this, this patient who was... Um, I don't know exactly what was going on with it. I think it was probably like hyperkalemic or something. But, you know, he the family had called, and they're all upset. He's basically under getting non-responsive. And I had put him on the monitor. I'm like, Man, his heart rate's 30. And we're in this tight bedroom. I was like, we got, we just got to lift him out of here and get out of here and so we can work on him, you know. And we got him to the back of the truck. And the family, he was talking, and the family was thinking, yeah, everything's going to be okay. And, and the guy arrested right when we got in the truck. And um, we ended up working for about an hour. And, and during that whole time, I, you know, I was kind of going back and forth between the patient and the family outside, and I was telling them what was going on. And I said, you know, I'm really sorry, there, there's a, there, this is there was obviously something bad going on. We're better off doing it here rather than trying to go down the road and doing CPR. And I was really, you know, it was one of those deals where I was treating the family as a patient as well. And we ended up having to, to stop. 
you know, he ultimately passed away. But the hug I got from the patient's daughter after that, it, it, it was a bad outcome, but yet she was so appreciative that we right. did everything we could. And I, it just doesn't, you know, to have that bad outcome and still have somebody thank you in that manner. And the son was great, too. He's like, I can't believe you guys did all this. And thank you so much. And, you know, we stayed we stayed with the patient till the funeral home came and made sure that, you know, he was taken care of. And we let him see, we let the family see him and say goodbye and all this other stuff. And Right. And that just tugs at your heart, you know. And, and yeah. that—that's what—that's what keeps me going, you know. To even have bad things like that happen. And uh, I had, you know, I had actually this past weekend, I had somebody that was killed on on the freeway. Um, he had gotten out of his car and got hit by another car. And you know, there was nothing we could do, but the wife was there. And uh, oh, I ended God. up spending, I, the, you know, of course, the troopers were all busy doing their accident investigation. And mm. I saw this yeah. wife was just there crying and screaming and trying to talk to her family member. They were up in Hale, Michigan, so they're over an hour away. And so I was like, you know, ma'am, why don't you just come to my truck and let her sit in front of the echo unit. And, you know, we talked and, and I found out, you know, uh, his daughter, their daughter, was getting married next week. Their son was in the Air Force, and he's in the Middle East, you know. And suddenly this, this woman is the only person of her life is gone, you know. And, and just to spend that hour with her and stay by her side until her family got down there, that's just powerful, you know. Yeah. That's what this is about. You know, it's about helping people. Right. And it's not it's not about IVs or innovation or defibrillations and all that, you know. It's not a TV show. It's about people. Yeah. And um, you know, as much as it it bothered me because I was like, Well, I can't imagine, you know, here's this his daughter, well, we get married this weekend. You know, right. and they're doing a funeral. Right. <laughs> you know, terrible. And didn't that, like, I, I knew that happened, that call happened. Wasn't he trying to help somebody else? Isn't that how that went uh, down? Uh, no, he, he, I don't, know, I don't know how much I should get into it. They had, they had some car trouble, and what they were towing had come disconnected. So he was trying to go back to, the dune buggy that disconnected from his vehicle. So, oh, okay. okay. So it wasn't in the way. He didn't want anybody else to get in an accident. So he was trying to get that clear, and he just got hit. Somebody wasn't, you know, it wasn't the guy, the guy driving. It wasn't really his fault, you know. And I felt, I felt bad for that guy, too. I'm like, man, All right. Yeah. You know, uh, how do you deal with that? All right. Know? But. Yeah, it's, it's hard. We kind of go on autopilot when we're on the highway because we just kind of assume nothing's supposed to be there. And unless well, yeah. you see lights, you don't do anything different unless you see lights, you know. And it's so easy to be looking it away wild, or talking though. to a kid in the back or something, you that know. That section of freeway, it seems like from Vienna Road up through Bridgeport there, 
there's always trailers coming off. I don't know what oh, it's like. The it's like the dang Bermuda Triangle <laughs> of trailers. Yeah, like yeah. something is always, like always since yeah. it MMR we responded three times yeah. to people whose trailer like they, they were fine. It wasn't even really an MBA, but their trailer or their boat came off the trailer. Or, yeah. I don't know what happens. I don't know. I don't know. There was one night going underneath, um, I think the Miller Road, like underpass right there in Flint. There was like a six by six, like piece of wood or something that must have come off somebody. And it was sitting right there in the middle of the lane. Like somebody would have like, and we, we were paying attention, but right there in that spot, it wasn't a spot where you could pull over and grab it out of the road or whatever. And so I remember just kind of shooting up a prayer of like, wow. dear God, I hope somebody calls and gets that move from the highway soon because it's just like you just have to pay attention it's so hard yeah so yeah it's well yeah it is it's so much more than just course of treatment and yeah you know it's it's such a bigger picture and it's that that is you know that's kind of what I like to impart on people is like, this is a bigger deal than like my partner. Now he'll test soon for medic. And he, he understands rather quickly from just mentoring him that like IV, that's really insignificant. Yeah. Like you can do an IV. That's cool. But how well did you take care or manage the whole thing? The family, the patient, you know, like today I was going to say, we met this lady, and her daughter was there and her daughter was like, well, we got to Hurley and we were pacing back and forth in the waiting room and you guys were going lights and sirens. And we got there in like eight minutes and up front they were like, well, you aren't here yet. And I was like, oh, see. So then I was able to be like, this is what you don't know. So we were there in three minutes, but they're taking care of your mom and the girls up front, they don't know. Yeah that this is even going on so they're telling you i don't know we don't we yeah. haven't checked in we haven't checked her in so she's not here right. which is not really the case yeah you know and she was she it was really it was cool that the whole system kind of came together on this case because also there was quite a bit the lady bit her tongue so we had to suction her so there was quite a bit of blood on her mouth okay. and so the daughter tells me today so i go in this room and there she is with all this blood on her shirt and her mouth. And I was like, what in the hell did these guys do to my mom in that ambulance? But then one of the physicians was in there and they were like, or actually one of the nurses was like, no, 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 this is what happened. And this is why this is, looks like this. And this is what they would have been doing. Yeah. But it, like everybody was on the team. So it was pretty, yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's a good place to land the plane, but like, thanks again for coming on. That was a, we didn't a big talk deal. A lot about mental health. No, <laughs> we didn't. We'll we'll have you back on, and we'll get directly into that. But it's yeah. I think this is good. It's good for it's good for the staff. It's good for like my coworkers who listen down here in Genesee. It'll be good for them to hear from you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And to hear from you as not so much assistant vice president but as eric you know what i mean and to understand you've been at this a while and you've seen the same things and you've been through the same things you know because i think a lot of times the employee forgets that 
You know, they forget that in Genesee, Steve's got a job to do. Jake's got a job to do. They aren't, they aren't needling us for the sake of it. There, yeah. There's this kind of symphony of this mission that we have to do. And you guys are all kind of working to get us out there doing our thing. Yeah, and it's a hard thing, Jim, is it, you know, and I understood a lot of the background stuff before I started back here, because this is my second round at MMR, but, um, you know, I I had a lot of background knowledge of the things that need to happen, but I've, I've gotten a new respect for all the things that have to occur just to make make the place function and, and um you know we we count on the people on the road to do as much as they can right um because we have to be able to you know get through accreditation we have to be able to make sure the bills are paid and all this other stuff but um i have a new respect for management and um you know, not that I'm, I don't know, I'm not tooting the horn of management, but I appreciate that the people in the field understand what we have to do, and, and we're going to do the best that we can to understand what they have to do and try to help them out, you know? Yeah. Um, because we all we all want to do the same thing. This is all about, this is about patient care. This isn't about business. This isn't about, you know profitability i hate that word i I don't i can't stand profitability um i say sustainability always (laughs) you know we're a nonprofit. we're not here to make money we're here just to do a job and our job is to take care of people Uh and we can't forget that they're you know not only are the patients people but our staff are people uh the management are people everybody it's all about people and and we've got to treat people like people Right. Um, it's good. You know, it's an amazing, it's a cool industry to be in, man. Because, like, when you look at it like that, you guys are doing all your thing. And at the same while, making sure all this thing works together, mm-hmm. you're taking me and my partner and trusting us with a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff just to go <laughs> out and do our thing for 12 hours and do it correctly that's all i have to worry about three hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff i found that out not too oh long ago. wow i've been underestimating it that's that's what a new ambulance costs now oh it's fully equipped wow. but but you're right though jim i mean if you think about it and you know my son my son's in paramedic school right now and that's you know, awesome think about I love it think about think about you know a 23 year old who is <laughs> in charge of somebody's life <laughs> and and driving around in a $300,000 ambulance giving medications making decisions on their own that you know not to be melodramatic but are sometimes life right life oh, yeah. can you imagine that kind of responsibility in any other industry you no. know what I mean where else do you have that kind of autonomy to make those decisions? That's why, and I don't know how many people that watch your podcast or nurses. I don't want to offend them, but I don't want to be a nurse. No, <laughs> I, cause, me neither. Because you know, they got a job to do too. But yeah, but I can't give up my freedom. No. I I love having that freedom. I like not having anybody over my shoulder. Man, it's such a cool job. 
it is a cool job. And you have the power, like I said, with, you know, people in the grocery store seeing it, you have the power to make such an impact on somebody. Yeah. You know? When you do it right, man, it's good. It's really okay. good. So, cool. Right Let's on. talk about mental health more. Yeah. We'll get into that. We'll get into that next time. I think I have, I have something lined up soon to talk to Lori about uh, some other some ideas I had. So maybe we can do that as a Zoom, and so you yeah. can be involved in that too. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, because yeah. I I got my own. I got some stories on mental health for me, and you know, what. I, I, for a while, I've been thinking about it. I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta put that out there. Like, cool. Okay. I think a lot of the things that I've experienced, a lot of people probably have experienced, but haven't expressed it. Yeah. So I'd like to talk about that sometime. That's sure. Good. Well, if you're available a week from today, we can have you back right yeah, on two I'll weeks in a row. <laughs> I've done that. But right on. As as I, yeah, as long as I don't take down your podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> nah. No, that's big. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Cool. Well, let me know. Absolutely. Cool. We'll, I'll get with you in the next couple of days and we'll get it set up. Sounds good. Sweet. Well, right. thanks again. This is this is a big deal to me. You know, I told one of my, one of the night soups, I was like, yeah, man, I got the podcast tonight. Eric's coming on. And she was like, what? For real? She's like, right on. Oh, really? Was <laughs> yeah. it Laura? No, Amber. Amber Askin. Oh, Amber. Okay. Yeah. So she was like, that's outstanding. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I'm seriously blown away by the support that I've gotten just for our little, this little side stuff we're doing. Oh, that's cool. I like it. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's neat. Good. I hope, I hope you get a lot of listeners. How many people actually watch? It depends. Sure. So like we, a lot of times, if I'm honest, I'm really bad about getting guests. So when we, it's just me and Ashley, it's, it seems like it's lower, <laughs> but like when we have a guest, it, we do better. We do probably, probably in the first 24 hours, I would say 30, 35, 40, something like that. And then, and then like the last episode, my, so my former fire chief passed away. So we had his son and we were kind of talking about his legacy and stuff like that. So that had more hits. Right. And then. So what I'm saying is when we have a guest, we seem to do better. Right. So, so, Which we don't mind because we both we love talking to that. people. It's great. Yeah. Well, yeah, before you ask me on next week, check your numbers. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Not It'll good. be good. It'll be good. So, yeah. Right. So I'll do our little outro here. So thank you, Freedom Center Church and Kingdom Builders for your support. Thank you, Eric, for coming on. And thank you to our listeners. And that's it. We'll see you next time.